Welcome to This Week Health Community. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Today, we have an interview in action from the 2023 fall conferences of Chime in San Antonio and Health in Las Vegas. And we want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. And they are Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com. And here we go. All right, here we are at the Chime Fall Forum, and we are doing another interview in action today. I am joined by Audrius Polakaitis. That was, that was, I got that, didn't I? You did, you wow. nailed it, nailed it. CIO, University of Illinois Hospital and Health Science System. That's a mouthful. It is, so we go with a, an abbreviated name that we go to the market with as UI Health. UI Health. Yeah, well that, that does make it a lot easier. Tell us a little about UI Health. So we are a, a classic university academic health system a patient care delivery organization surrounded with seven health science colleges. So medicine, pharmacy, nursing, dentistry, public health, social work, applied health sciences. So it's a very dynamic academic environment, talking about three missions, research, teaching, and patient care. As much as you like to keep those guys separate, inevitably they all get intertwined at some point. Is this Illinois out of Urbana? It is the same University of Illinois system. We are out of Chicago. So out of Chicago. Most of the health sciences within the University of Illinois system are based out of Chicago. There is a College of Medicine in Urbana, maybe the one you're referencing. We also have health sciences presences in two other small, smaller towns, mid-sized towns in Illinois. So Academic Medical Center, CIO. What's top of mind? What are you focusing on right now? Oh, so, you know, I'll start with what is the organization focusing on? So access, and I think what you'll find is it's the list of things that many are focused on, access, right? We are 98, 99% capacity, looking for solutions on that, building new ambulatory facilities. We just opened one up four weeks ago with an outpatient surgery center. So sort of expanding our ability to serve the patients. Access also implies doing something about getting some of the patients out of the hospital. So hospital at home becomes very relevant. We're developing that program in the early stages of development, running into some interesting challenges as we work through that. The other thing the organization is focusing on is really trying to do a dramatic transformation as far as how we approach quality and that patient satisfaction part of it. Again, this is bread and butter stuff, but it's something we are focusing on now that we've settled and modernized large parts of our infrastructure, including a new EHR deployment, enables us to sort of focus on other things, not on these infrastructure challenges that we were always struggling with. The access. Access is pretty broad. And access is interesting because it, it was impacted by the pandemic pretty dramatically. How did the pandemic change your approach to access or change the technologies? and methods. Yeah, so probably like everybody, right? It was a dramatic change to virtual care. Have you been able to hold on to that though? Some percentage of it, yeah. 10 to 15%, I'd say. Varies by specialty. Behavioral health seems to be very, very sticky. Others, not so much. As you would have expected, some of the clinical disciplines require more hands-on, physical examinations, those things, they've dramatically fallen off. But it's still, it still is a strong presence. We see a strong presence within our family medicine program. And frankly, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm sure the patients enjoy it. I think the physicians also very much enjoy it, that they sit in the comfort of their own home and you know, yeah. seeing patients that way instead of having to go into the clinic for an afternoon. 
And you know, in academic medicine, our physicians, we have few physicians that are exclusively focused on clinical care. Usually the model you see is on Monday they're doing research, on Tuesday they're teaching, on Wednesday they're in clinic, on Thursday they're doing research, so on, right? So for them, anything that they could do to make their life more efficient and delivering care from home when possible is one of those methods that makes life efficient for them. Let's talk about from the patient perspective. So from an access standpoint, they prefer telemedicine. And in a lot of cases, they yeah, yeah. Or especially for specialty care, yeah. for follow-up visits and that kind of thing. And I assume traffic around your location is not easy to navigate. It's either. Chicago, yeah, in, in the middle Chicago, of the city, yeah. You, so you, you look at telehealth, I assume you have a digital front door of some kind, yeah. and you're also looking at standing up additional centers around the city. How are you knitting all that stuff together from a technology perspective and digital? We approach it as a single infrastructure that's deployed everywhere, right? So we standardize these things, they come out of the enterprise, any facility that opens up with the name on it, and then we get a lot of these because our College of Medicine is very entrepreneurial, likes opening up their own clinics, but we try to envelop that all to make sure we are all on the same infrastructure, the same platforms, information is ubiquitously shared, regardless of where the patient is seen and we provide the same tools to the patient. So if you are a patient of UI Health, you have an expectation of what you're gonna see and how that'll look for you, right? right? So it's common branding, common infrastructure, common systems, common platforms. How many applications you have? What we used to, we oh, used to man. I, see, <laughs> remember that ING commercial with the numbers over your head? Every CIO should walk around with like the number of applications they have over their head, it's like, because in no other industry do you walk around and go, how many applications do you have? I don't know, 1,600. 1,600? Oh my God. We're, we're, we're not there. But I did have a one-on-one -on -one with my, my boss, the CEO, last week. And what he said to me is he has one favorite slide that he thinks about his career. And it was a slide that we had put together when we were trying to convince the organization to invest many hundreds of millions of dollars in the conversion of our electronic health record system. And the slide was very simple. It was simply the logos of all these software applications that we use. And this one, that went to the board, the board of the University of Illinois, right? Yep. This was the fundamental argument of, we are so fragmented in our approaches. And this is what led us to this idea of, let's move to more integrated platform. A lot of that collapsed, to your point, there's still a lot that's outside of that. I think what's going to happen naturally as sort of the scope of the EHR platform vendors will continue to grow. And we'll always be faced with this interesting challenge of once somebody has something new, do you take what they have? Is there a good reason for you to abandon what now you've grown accustomed to? So th these are the types of things I think we'll be navigating. So I, in, in some respects, I think it's going to be the portfolio will be shrinking as you make decisions to absorb into your enterprise platform, but there's always going to be something new, especially in academic medicine driven by physicians and yeah. colleagues that go to conferences, hey, come back we, with we, a neat idea. we got some funding and we're going to go off and do this yeah, thing. Yeah. I mean, do you have governance to keep that from happening? We do. We have a very, a very formal governance around that. The CEO leads that governance and it's not just the governance applied to IT. The CEO, the leads, CEO leads this. And we call this the project approval and prioritization process or PAPP. Essentially, there's two levels of analysis on this. One is a lower level group where it's directors, senior directors, multidisciplinary group 
the proposer, and this could be a, a facilities project, it could be an IT project, and most of the times what we see is it's combinations of these things. Right. They sort of beat on the proposal, make sure all aspects of it are complete. Once they have a recommendation, they think it's final. We also have a five-year pro forma that comes with that. That gets presented to a more senior group, which are basically C-level people, key physician leaders, that makes the final decision. So we, we don't differentiate substantial IT investments from other types of investments. We view them as all having to be considered under the same prioritization process. For me, it's awesome since we implemented this because oftentimes it used to be this question of what the heck are you guys working on? And now there's no question because everything we're working on came through that process. And so it, if, it, if you're not aware of it, it's probably you weren't paying attention at the time, it, rather it than... it aligns uh, with the system's and strategy. It, and aligns. So, you know, Bill, I often, people say, do you have an IT strategy? And my answer often is, we have IT tactics, maybe we call them sub-strategies, but I don't have a separate IT strategy. I have an organizational strategy that we also are a part of. All right, we're going to be doing webinars a little different this year. I've talked to you a little bit about this. We got together with our advisors. They told us, hey, you got to do them different. They're just not serving the community well. And we said, what do you want? They said, community-generated topics, great contributors, not product-driven. They want a, a more honest and open discussion. And they said, what we want is not no on-demand webinars. We want once-and-done type webinars on a consistent date and time. So every first Thursday of the month, our first one being January 5th, first Thursday of the month, one o'clock Eastern time, we are going to be doing a webinar. You can count on it. Put it on your calendar. Every first Thursday of the month at one o'clock Eastern time, we're going to do a webinar. The topics are going to be generated by the community, and we would love to have you there. Our first one, January 5th, priorities for 2023, a CIO discussion with Integrated Delivery Networks. February 2nd, we're going to come back with Academic Medical Center CIOs talking about their priorities. And then we're going to hit some of the other great topics that they've given us for the year. And we would love to have you join us again, thisweekhealth.com, top right-hand corner. It'll have our current webinar and our upcoming webinars. You can sign up right there. And if you miss it, it's not on demand anymore. So we would love to have you there. Make sure somebody from your team is there taking notes and bringing stuff back to your staff. So we hope that this works out. Any feedback, go ahead and send us a note. We would love to hear about it. So when you talk about access, when you talk about all those things, that's part of your health system strategy, and then you support that strategy. With whatever whatever our role is, often it's bringing technology, but oftentimes we're also helping them with process improvement things, because that is something we are also pretty good at as IT yeah. professionals, thinking about processes. And you know the, the old adage, people, process, and technology, right? You're bringing all three of those together. So we are, yeah, you, usually very critical parts of those types of initiatives, but the one thing you recognize is IT trying to do something alone without the operational stakeholders, it's akin to try to push a string, right? It, it doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Analytics always fascinates me in the academic space because you have so many data sets you need to deal with and there's an insatiable appetite for external data sets as well, bringing more and more of that data in. Tell us a little bit about the, the data infrastructure that you put in place for this. Yeah. So we actually took the data infrastructure and split it out. Part of it supports the research environment. The other part supports the operational needs of the organization. So we found that to be more effective because yeah. then we have a group that's very much focused on how research is thinking about it, what research needs. Yeah. So we have a research data warehouse essentially, right? And that's run by a separate group. On the operational side, whether this is now revenue cycle or clinical, so on, right? Daily type of stuff, 
actually you know, trends as well, obviously AI uh, fits into this. We right now have fundamentally committed to the Epic uh, analytics platform and having great success with it. Prior to that, we had a lot of this in the spirit of disparate things. We had a lot of disparate tools and architectures and infrastructures that we've now tried to collapse them all within that uh, epic cohito caboodle sort yeah. of sort of platform. Yep, absolutely. We could probably talk for another 20 minutes, but it's uh, <laughs> but the interviews in action. We try to keep them to about 10 minutes. I get and it. This has been fantastic. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Thank On you. to the next one. <laughs> Another great interview. I want to thank everybody who spent time with us at the conferences. I love hearing from people on the front lines and it is phenomenal that they have taken the time to share their wisdom and experience with the community, which is greatly appreciated. We also want to thank our channel sponsors one more time who invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. They are Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.